morning. This month, we are talking to you about the sermon series called Foundations. And this has everything to do with the church. Unfortunately, in our Western minds, we equate church to this. Great. A carpet, a floor, some pews, walls, and chandeliers. I'd like you to take a moment and look at your neighbor for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, you are looking at the church. You are looking at the church. You are looking at the windows to someone's soul. And aren't those beautiful windows? You are looking at some mighty fine pillars right here that are beautiful pillars. You are looking at an instrument of worship as you look at your neighbor. You are the church of Jesus. If you're watching online, you are the church of Jesus. And he has an incredible purpose and mission to fulfill. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about what is the purpose of the church and the world in which we live. As I've said, Jesus did not leave us to be a bunch of orphans trying to figure out what we needed to do. He promised that he would send the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God would equip us for the mission that is in front of us. We are part of what is called the Assemblies of God as Bethel Christian Church. The Assemblies of God is a worldwide Pentecostal movement that spans the globe. There are brothers and sisters in Christ right now at this moment that are leading people to Jesus, they are planting churches, they are giving their lives, men, women, youth, and children are responding to the move and the touch of the Holy Spirit. If you are fascinated by the book of Acts, I can tell you something. The book of Acts is still going on all over the world. And we as Bethel Christian Church get to decide every day, every hour, every week, every month, every year, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Amen? So the Assemblies of God has something that is called the 16 Fundamental Truths. These are pretty much the doctrinal points that we stand upon. These lovely truths reveal something that are more than just truths. Hopefully, they are realities. So this morning, I want to quickly glance at truth number 10, the church and its mission. According to the Assemblies of God, it says the church is the body of Christ, the habitation of God through the Spirit with divine appointments for the fulfillment of her great commission. Each believer born of the Spirit is an integral part of the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Well, that's great. I'll explain more of what that actually means in a moment. Let's look at our Bibles this morning and see, as Paul is writing in the New Testament, what he is getting at regarding what the body of Christ is and its purpose. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians 2.22, and in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Hebrews 12.23, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I love 
what the assemblies of God wrote. And I love these particular scriptures from Paul, but sometimes I read these things and I honestly think, what in freedom's name are they saying? Come on. What are they getting at? What are they trying to tell me that translates to my daily life as a believer, as someone that wants to follow Jesus? See, the Pentecostal movement in and of itself is an experiential movement. It is what separates us or should separate us from all kinds of other mainline churches. At the turn of the 20th century, that's the 1900s and further for the younger constituents here, I was born in 1980, so to my children I seem ancient because I was not born in the 2000s. Yeah, I'm a millennium different than my children too. And so when we read about those things, we read in that time period, as the Pentecostal movement is breaking out, all of the mainline churches, they are gathering together for the purpose of unity. And that unity was to nullify the scripture, meaning to make it seem like the words of the scripture were not powerful. They were meeting together for the cause of liberalism and the purpose of unity, just like the people met at the Tower of Babel to build an edifice to heaven so that they could reach God. But see, the Pentecostal movement started for the grandson or the son of people born into slavery. William Seymour was a black man who believed that the power of God was relevant in this day and age. William Seymour believed that the Bible, the whole book from beginning to end, was active and alive and powerful and meant for every person, every culture, and at every time. And so because this man believed, all of a sudden a Pentecostal outpouring, meaning the power of the Holy Spirit, was injected into the United States of America like never before, and like waves, it rippled all over the world. You and I are part of that same movement. If we desire to connect to Jesus and allow his spirit to fill us, when they formed the Assemblies of God more than 100 years ago, they came together. Because when the Pentecostal movement first formed, people were running in all kinds of directions. Ooh, I had this revelation, and ooh, I had this revelation, and oh, I'm called to do this. And they said, whoa, 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 let's, let's band this group together. And so these people met together, and one of their early leaders, their first leader was a man by the name of Ian Bell. Ian was brought up as a believer, and he had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. He describes it in the following way. He said, God baptized me in his spirit. Wave after wave fell on me from heaven, striking me in the forehead like electric currents and passing over and through my whole being. The spirit began to speak through me in a tongue I had never heard before and continued for two hours. After three months of testing, I can say before God, the experience is as fresh and as sweet as ever. In the same words as Ian Bell, I hope that for those that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that your experience with him is as fresh and as sweet as ever. It is as fresh and as sweet as ever. And if it's never been sweet to you, or if it's not as fresh as sweet and ever, I pray that today would be a day 
that you feel his presence filling you like never before. Why? Because we as a church are called to extend the ministry of Jesus here on earth. You are called, each and every one of you. As our missionary has said today, she might have a mission field that is a sensitive country, but I hope that each of you understands that your very front yard, your neighbors, your schools, your work, the place you live, the grocery store you go to, they are also a mission field. People need a radical encounter with Jesus, and you are the answer to that. This morning, as we look at the purpose of the church, I'm going to draw briefly our attention to four areas in which the Assemblies of God has shown through the infilling of the Spirit that we can impact the world in which we live. The very first thing that they show us is the church is to be an agent of God for evangelizing the world. That means telling people about Jesus. In Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said the following to his disciples. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, including caterpillars. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. See, these are the words of Jesus that we like to skip over. We read the Gospels and we read these little things like John 3.16 that makes our hearts feel so good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But read John 17. It says, but for those who do not believe, they will be eternally condemned. I don't know about you, but that word eternity has always scared me and freaked the life out of me. And so I would rather put all of my chips, if we're going to gamble, on Jesus for eternal life than not put my chips on him and have eternal condemnation and death. See, we look at this thing, and this is the driving force of evangelism. Why would we want to tell people about Jesus? Why would a young woman like Aurora want to give up her life and go to a sensitive country taking a risk to tell people about Jesus? It is because we firmly believe with every fiber of our being that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And so because of that, we are urged and propelled by the Holy Spirit to tell the world about him. Can I be honest with you? That task is not always easy. And the more we get used to the society we live in, sometimes the harder it becomes. You know, in places where people are persecuted, it's very black and white. When you are not persecuted, it grays out the playing field. You can live in your house, you can come to church, you can go to your job, and you can just shh, quiet. Don't tell anyone. Don't rock the boat at work. Don't rock the boat with your family. Don't rock the boat in your neighborhood. Jesus wants to rock the boat. Jesus wants to rock the boat. Jesus wants to rock the boat. Why? Because men, women, children, and youth will perish for all of eternity without him. 
See, when the church and we as believers grasp the concept of what it means to be saved from the fires of hell, we want to dance, we want to shout. That's why when we're singing, hell lost another one, I am free. Man, I want to skip around this place. I am free because of Jesus. I was going to hell in a handbasket without him. And Jesus came, he delivered me, he saved me, and he set me free. And I've got a reason to praise, not because I'm only loose from hell, but because my name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. And so because of that joy, because of what Jesus has done for you, and if that joy and that love have faded away, ask the Lord, revive me again. Revive me again. Let me love you like never before. Because evangelism isn't just a professional job for a few trained men and women, but instead it is the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. When you belong to Jesus, you can't help it. You can't help but talk like him and act like him and do the very things he did in the gospel. Because I love when we say that all the time too as uh, born again evangelical Christians, you know, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Oh, I love that. When you are in love with someone, you can't help but talk about them. When you love someone, guess what you start doing? You start talking like them and dressing like them. I can tell you after all these years, my wife does never seize what I wear on Sunday morning. We show up matching. I'm not gonna have her stand up, she hates that. But we are matching this morning. She doesn't see me get dressed but we match. And when you are around Jesus, you begin to match him. You match what he says. You match what he does in the gospels. You match the love and the salvation story that he shared. The second thing that the church is called to do is to be a corporate body in which man may worship God. Worship is such a wonderful thing, and I'll say more about that in a moment. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, as Paul is addressing a divided church at Corinth, he says to them, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given to the one spirit to drink. And so what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth is, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you come from, man, woman, black, white, Asian. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. The only thing that can unify you is believing in Jesus and praising him for who he is. Oftentimes within our societies, we seek unity, but we seek it under the wrong means. We think that by holding hands and singing songs like we will overcome, that we will be united. I can tell you this, true unity that washes away the lines of color, that washes away discrimination according to gender, that washes away economical differences among people, real unity comes when the name of Jesus is lifted up. When the name of Jesus is glorified. That's when the Spirit of God comes down upon us and we begin to love one another ferociously. 
It was written about the revival that William Seymour pastored in the LA Times. They said the scenes at the altar at Azusa Street are horrendous. The color lines are washed away as blacks and whites and Asians hug one another at the altars and call each other brother and sister. Come on. I love how the LA Times has flipped the script. They were writing how disgusting it was in 1908. Now they'd be ashamed of themselves for what they wrote. But when they were writing that garbage about us, we were calling each other brother and sister. We were united as one to worship Jesus. And that idea of worship, even as Pastor Noah said it this morning, I remember coming into these Pentecostal circles and I was as stiff as a board coming into the services. Even though I had a background in theater and stage and acting, I could dance like no one's business. All of a sudden, I went to church and I was like, I am not moving. These people lift their hands. They're getting their little jigs going. And then one Sunday morning, our pastor invited people up to the altars. And he said, I think we should learn how to dance before the Lord like people did this morning. And I went, this is too much for me. These people are tapped, tapped. Like, who dances like this? Mind you, as an ad- I wasn't an adult yet. I had never been to a music concert, seeing people there worship in their own way. And so I was like, these people are nuts. And this woman, he began to say, the Lord has turned my morning into dancing. And this one woman, she's going like this up in the front, all across the altar. And I was like, oh, she's tapped too. <laughs> They're all tapped. The pastor's out of his mind. She's out of her mind. I was having a field day on the inside. And then the next Sunday, he asked that same woman to come up. She said for 12 long years, she was plagued with depression, and she was at the point of committing suicide. And that morning in the service, as the pastor shared those words, and she began to dance, the Spirit of God set her free. And there was something that happened that drew me, that drew me, and I wanted it. And from that moment at 14, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, oh, I began to lift my hands, I began to get my jig on, and I was singing those songs and worshiping, and I remember I would even read the words of David, your praise will be on my lips. I thought, oh, I don't want to get like that. And I would hear about heaven. Oh, in heaven, we're going to be praising him for all eternity. I thought, no, I need to have a life. I don't know if I want to go there either. (laughs) But the moment the Spirit of God filled me, I just wanted to praise him. I want to praise him. And when times get difficult, I want to praise him. Why? Because when the Spirit of God fills you and unites you, worship becomes the overflow of what he's doing in our hearts. Worship is a vital part to our Christian life. And that is why we dedicate a portion of our services to praising God. We also believe that worship is more than singing a song. It is a lifestyle. All of our life, all of our actions should bring glory to God. Psalm 150 in Romans 12, 1. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is the meaning of the church and its mission is to be a channel of God's purpose, to build a body of saints being perfected in the image of his Son, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 touches on this. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers and yada, 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 yada 
to equip his people for the works of the service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, or as some say, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'll expound on that a little bit more in a moment. A.W. Tozer said the following regarding the church, lowercase c. 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make up a football team. The first requisite is life, always. See, when Jesus left the spirit to us as the body, he gave us more than just little tasks, nitpicky tasks to do. He imbued us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that everyday people like you and I could become empowered for Jesus. And that is what we refer to as the fivefold ministry. And we've relegated the fivefold ministry to a bunch of people up on a stage, but the fivefold ministry is here, meaning you are pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, and the list can go on and on of what God is doing in your life. And all you have to do is believe it. And when you begin to believe that as a church, guess what that does for the leadership of the church? It allows us to equip you to send you out into the world in which we live. And I believe even as a church, and as I've spoken with our eldership, that we as a church are gonna make that shift more and more to get you from the point of loving your pews to filling your pews. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use you to build his body. He doesn't want us to be a lifeless, dead social club. He wants us to be a congregation that is alive and well and representing Jesus every day and every hour so that the world may know him, that he may be worshiped. The fourth and the last thing is that the church has a mission. And that mission is to be a people who demonstrate God's love and compassion to all the world. And James 1.27, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And what that means is our faith is on the one end supernatural that we believe in a God who intervenes. He saves, he heals, he delivers. The power of the Holy Spirit is a supernatural power. But Jesus showed us in order to really look like him, to really be his hands and his feet, not only is that supernatural necessary, but on the other end, we've gotta feed the naked, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give water to the thirsty, visit the prisoner. Our faith shows itself in our actions. Our faith needs to be evident in those that are dealing with things like orphans and widows that feel alone and abandoned. We need to stretch ourselves out to them to those that are homeless and hurting, that we stretch ourselves out to them. And so we believe that even though we have to preach the gospel to all people, we also need to meet the needs of our society. 
We can't just say, I'll pray for you, God bless you, and your belly's gonna get filled with food. We need to offer people real food. Until the call of God goes out, and we as Pentecostals have this distinction that the Assemblies of God describes as the following. The Assemblies of God ex exist expressly to give continuing emphasis to this reason for being in the New Testament apostolic pattern by teaching and encouraging believers to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without Him. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit to flood and fill our lives. People, I need Him every hour. I need Him every day, every moment. Lord, my prayer is fill me. If you're watching online, ask the Lord, fill me to overflowing. And why do we wanna be filled? Well, I'm buttoning it up this morning. When I am filled with the Holy Spirit, it allows me to evangelize with power and anointing. It allows the supernatural signs of God's kingdom to be demonstrated. When the Spirit of God fills me, it allows me to worship Him with a passion like I've never known before. And lastly, when the Spirit of God fills me, it enables me to respond to the full working of the Spirit so that His fruit, his gifts and the ministries of benevolence can flow through my life to a world that is desperately in need of him. Let's close our eyes for just one moment this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you. And in these last moments of this service, if there are people here who have never been filled with your Holy Spirit, if there are people that need a fresh touch to be revived, all over again, we pray, Lord, revive us again. We pray, Lord, fill us again. Lord, whether they be children, youth, whether young adults are here, Lord, whatever age bracket there is, even if people are elderly, 80, 90 years old, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. And if you have felt like a bag of dry bones and you wanna be used by Jesus like never before to really be his church, I ask you to stand in the very place that you're seated this morning. As a sign between you and the Lord, fill me, Lord. Fill me this morning, Lord. Fill me to overflowing. I don't wanna be a bag of dry bones. Breathe life upon me. Breathe life by the power of your Holy Spirit. Revive me, I pray. If you're watching online, you can comment to us and we'll pray for you that you'll receive the Holy Spirit and for everyone that is standing right now in this moment, we pray. We pray for you. If you're seated, just extend your hand right now. Extend your hand to any brothers or sisters around you and begin to pray. Begin to ask the Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit this morning. Fill them, revive them afresh and anew. Lord, pour out your presence on them. Pour it out like never before. Jesus, let them experience your power like we've never seen before. Revive us again. Lord, for a world that is hurt and dying, revive us again. Lord, for a church that has lost the art of worship, revive us again. For a world that is needy, Lord, revive us again. For a body, a church body that needs to look more like Jesus, revive us again. Revive us again, oh Lord. Revive us again. Revive us again, oh Lord. Pour out your presence, Lord. We love you, Jesus.